It is Burst and Moose, Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster. We're recording on the the Madden Pro Bowl day. Yeah. I, I believe I'm I'm not planning on on watching it or whatsoever. Are you talking about biggest game of the season? Yeah, huge game. But today we're actually going to jump into our top 10 games of the year and, and discuss those. I think it'll be fun. But of course, there was a wrench thrown into our plan a little bit to yeah. discuss it the entire podcast because Matthew Stafford got traded to Los Angeles Rams for two first rounders, 2022 and 2023, and then a third rounder this year. And then, of course, I would say the uh, the funnest, the most fun uh, wrinkle was Jared Goff being thrown in there. Yeah. What, what was your instant reaction, Mark, for from this trade? Well, my first reaction when I heard the trade had happened was disappointment because I was hoping the Colts could get their hands on Matthew Stafford. I thought he would have been a great fit and he could have played in Indianapolis for a couple of years. And I wanted a more a, a longer solution at quarterback than the one year solution we'd be getting every year under the Frank Reich era. But then I looked at how the, 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 the details of the deal. And I thought, well, that's why the Colts did not trade for Matthew Stafford because there was no way on earth that they were going to trade that much uh, for the lions quarterback. And uh, if you look at it, I, I try to, to reason with this being a reasonable deal. And I think the conclusion I've come to is yes, a one first round pick for Matthew Stafford, I thought made sense. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty valuable spot. That's that's a franchise player you're 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 giving up, but you're getting a guy who you know is a proven quarterback who could play in, in your system for a couple of years. And then the second first round pick and the other stuff, and Jared Goff on top of it, I just thought this is a lot. But then when you think about how heavy that contract Jared Goff has, it's almost like the Rams gave the second pick just to award the lions for taking on that contract and freeing up some cap space for the Rams, which uh, I guess makes sense, but still this is a heavy deal. And for me, it, it kind of works though. I mean, we'll see how it pans out because we have to see how Stafford does in LA, but for the lions, at least you get a lot of wealth and you get a quarterback who's all right. And you know you have a couple of years before you're going to be good in, in Detroit. You you have a lot of work to do. And so having a quarterback who's somewhat decent to, to sort of carry the team um, and help them learn how to win games, because he's not going to do it on his own. Jared Goff is going to struggle at first. But to have a decent quarterback, and, and this may sound terrible, but to not win you too many games that you continually get some decent picks for the next few years will probably help the Lions build something in the long run. But that's relying on the fact that the Lions actually build the team properly. Well, I have little faith in the Lions to pull that part off because of just historically they have never really been able to put together a football team that's competent on both sides of the ball. And so, and then on the, the, the Rams side, I mean, Matthew Stafford next year with Sean McVay and some of those pieces, whew, that's that's pretty crazy. That, I mean, that's This team was a divisional round team this season, went to a Super Bowl just a few years ago, and now they've got Matthew Stafford, who's most certainly an upgrade from Jared Goff. That's a dangerous team next year, and um, 
I don't know. I, I know the 49ers wanted Matthew Stafford and instead they have to play Matthew Stafford twice a year. It, it, there's a lot to, to, to chew on here and it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. I think one of the biggest things I thought about was how much they wanted to get rid of Jared Goff. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot to get rid of Jared Goff. And I guess McVay was just done with it. He was, he was tired of Jared Goff holding his team back. And that's, I think just, you get to this point where you're willing to do anything to get a better QB. And obviously we're talking about our top 10 games today. And one of them includes the lions and Matthew Stafford's going to be a pretty big upgrade. Someone that can go off script compared to Jared Goff. And I was like, great. I was just watching the highlights. I was like, Oh no, this is scary. And McVay offense. But it, it does seem like a lot for Stafford, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then it comes up to Sean Watson's going to cost yes. a lot. Oh my I was goodness. thinking this was like a Deshaun Watson type of trade. If the Rams sent this for Deshaun Watson, I'd be like, okay, I think that's that's fair value. Yeah. But now I, I don't even know what Deshaun's going to cost, to be honest. Oh, my goodness. He's going to cost a boatload. And it's, it, <laughs> and it's unfortunate because – that means Deshaun Watson has to go to a team that's already properly built or else he's just going to go to another team that's going to be bad and won't get a lot better because they're going to have to trade so much draft stock uh, to get Deshaun Watson that they won't be able to build a proper team because they've lost all their draft picks. Um, yeah, I uh, I messaged people last night uh, in my disappointment that we lost Stafford, even though I wouldn't have taken that trade as a Colts fan. Mm-hmm. Um and then some pe- one person asked me, so Deshaun Watson? And I said, if it was a no before this trade, it's most certainly a no now. Because, I mean, we're, that's, that's, that's such a high bar for, for Deshaun Watson. And it, it's, it's going to be crazy. I thought Deshaun Watson was going to get traded first because I, everyone was going to try to get their go at him. And then a consolation prize would be sort of Matthew Stafford. But... Mm-hmm. Here we are. Matthew Stafford got out real quick. And right now Houston is trying to retain Deshaun Watson at all costs. So that's probably why that hasn't happened, but I think it's inevitable. I'm happy for Stafford. And honestly, the Lions got a good deal. They got definitely the best deal out there. There's reports that every, I believe they had eight offers. Everyone Mm -hmm. had a first rounder, but the the Rams one blew them away. And it kind of gets into that discussion of, Seems like the Rams don't really value first round picks yeah. compared to the rest of the NFL. They don't. They don't care. It almost they kind of fling them around like NBA teams do, in which a first a late first round of the NBA is not like a late first rounder in the NFL by any means. Yeah, and you know the crazy stat: the the Rams will not draft a first round pick till twenty twenty four now, and their last first round pick was in twenty sixteen. So that's almost a decade without a first round pick. And that 2016 first round draft pick was Jared Goff. So weird how this all comes around and Mm -hmm. ties together, but I guess they just don't value the, the pristine honor of a first round pick. And, and, you know, that's something that I sort of understand from the perspective of of someone who's followed Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts is Mm -hmm. that, you know, What's the difference between pick 40 and, and, and pick 20? The only difference is that you were picked in the first round. And so you get the honor of being a first round draft pick, but the talent difference between 20 and 40 may not be that large. And, and maybe Le- Sneed, uh, the, the GM of the Rams just believes in that same philosophy, but man, getting a first round pick is still nice though. And not having one for a couple years 
it's going to nip the Rams in the back at some point in time. It's going to catch up to them. And they're just trying to push it back while they still have all this talent on their team while they can. It's wild. It'll be a discussion yeah. forever. And it, it already got me excited for 2021 football. Yeah. To be honest, I can't believe I'm already thinking about that, that Dude, Rams offense. The NFC West got better. And <laughs> that is insane to think about. I mean, who's going to regress in, in 2021 in the NFC West, the Seahawks, maybe, maybe they'll regress. Maybe they'll get a little bit worse. I don't know. They could also get better. And then yeah. you've got the Cardinals who they're, they're still young and could take steps forward on the defensive side then you've got the 49ers who are going to bounce back after last season they were a Super Bowl team just a year ago and then you've got the Rams now who have a quarterback I hate to be the Arizona Cardinals if I'm going to be 100% honest because that is a brutal division right now that I don't I'm at honestly I was at a (laughs) loss for words last night with all the things that are going to be involved from this trade But before we get into those top 10 games, before the Stafford news broke, I I was going to kind of surprise you, Mark, and ask you about some Deshaun Watson trades I came Mm. up with really quickly. Yeah. And I want to ask you who says no. I'm going to give you two teams. And they're not the teams that are like in the headlines, like the Jets and Jaguars, because those are boring, Mark. Those are boring trades that you're going to see everywhere. Mainstream. Yeah, too mainstream. Anyways, Ravens. Lamar Jackson in a 2021 first rounder. Who says no? Wow, that is weird. I mean, obviously, I don't think this happens mm-hmm. because the Ravens like Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, should that trade happen? Uh, the Ravens win in that one. And then the Texans, at least you've got an exciting quarterback and a first rounder. I mean, I like the idea of it, but I don't know if – that would also require the Ravens offense to completely change the way they run because right now their offense is tailored for Lamar Jackson and the way he can run. And although Deshaun Jack, Deshaun Watson is mobile, he's not Lamar Jackson. And so you have to switch back to a more traditional offense, which, I mean, if you're the Ravens, if you have Deshaun Watson, okay, like boohoo, mm-hmm. you have to change back to a traditional offense, but I don't know. I mean, I like the sound of that and that would make the Ravens scary good, but, yeah, I, I don't know if you could trade away your franchise guy like that, especially after how he's played the past few seasons. That's what I was thinking too. I wish we could see trades like that, but I don't think NFL say this is are willing the NFL aren't really like the NBA, like you were alluding to earlier. I had the Rams. It was a Jarrett Goff and uh, two first rounders, but obviously that wouldn't be enough. Well, that is uh, interesting in hindsight. Yeah, <laughs> but I had a. Raiders was Derek Carr and two first rounders for uh, Deshaun Watson, which apparently might not be enough now is the issue. Yeah. I mean, right at this point, you almost have to give up another first rounder. Mm-hmm. And because, and I feel like Derek Carr ironically going to Houston would be funny given David Carr's uh, unfortunate life in Houston at the birth of that franchise. Um, but Derek Carr, I feel like would be a great, uh, great kind of placeholder because he's not great, but he's good. He's a little better than Jared Goff. And um, so so it would be a better situation than the Lions are in right now with Jared Goff. And uh, the Raiders would definitely heavily benefit from the Mm -hmm. playmaking and the leadership that Deshaun Watson brings. I don't know if they'd be a Super Bowl team, though, given the state of their defense. Which the thing is, though, I thought, I think Gruden 
would pull a trigger on something like this to be completely oh, yeah. he, honest he doesn't like Derek Carr it seems like and it gives you the option to invest pretty much all your draft picks on defense because Deshaun Watson is going to fill holes on that offense mm-hmm. absolutely another one was the 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> oh my goodness and two first rounders because i think this year's is high enough where they could only send another one probably maybe but they might have to throw in like a third and a fifth or something can you imagine that that like we, we were already marveling at that division and then you throw into sean watson <laughs> that is a nightmare that is a nightmare of a division where your four quarterbacks are russell wilson kyler murray um matt stafford and deshaun watson good grief that is those defenses those poor defenses would be so poor off but I I think Deshaun Watson would love playing in San Francisco I I think that would be an awesome fit for him and uh it's it's pretty far away from the AFC which I like um but it's another instance of is this a football team willing to shill in that that's the thing now that's the question is what franchise is willing to throw in the draft capital to get Deshaun Watson? Mm-hmm. Because obviously he, he's a better, he's more valuable than Matthew Stafford. He's yeah. younger. He, he's better. And he's, he, he's got that it factor, but who is willing to throw the amount of things that you're going to need to give up to take him. And it, it, this results in either two ways. There's going to be a severe loser in the Deshaun Watson trade, either a team is going to give up way too much for Deshaun Watson or no one is. And the Texans still have to get rid of Deshaun Watson. And then they take something more like Matthew Stafford, uh, more Matthew Stafford level trading. And they're the losers because they couldn't figure out a way to get more valuable value out of the quarterback that they had. I think a really scary thing about the trade that happened last night is bad teams are going to learn something wrong which is don't care about your first rounders and send in a buttload for QBs Mm -hmm. and they won't have the foundation that the Rams have Mm -hmm. and be able to compete immediately. And they'll misguide because I think the Rams are going to look really smart this coming year. If the pieces are healthy, it it probably will work with Sean McVay and they will look like geniuses. Well, the Rams are going to look good for the next few years and look smart. It's going to be more of a long-term thing, but I guess it's a more matter of do they if they win a Super Bowl in this window, then mm-hmm. okay, you you pay the price of being bad afterwards. You want a Super Bowl, but if if they don't come close to a Super Bowl, then the after effects may make them look make may make them look dumb. All right, my final one. There's no way it happens, Mark, but I think it's wild. Packers. <laughs> Texans just a, just a straight out swap Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson <laughs> that would be uh that I mean I don't know what the Texans have to benefit from having Aaron yeah. Rodgers right now that would be my big thing that's that's the things I think actually the Texans would say no before the Packers said no in that situation I don't mm. think the Packers would ever even discuss that yeah because it might lose your locker room mm-hmm but I, I think uh, the, the Packers surprisingly would win that, win that trade. Yeah. So. Anyways, it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks. Hopefully we see Deshaun trade it. Maybe we won't. They claim they want him yeah. really badly. So we'll, we'll have to see. And we'll see if teams are willing to call in. And we'll find out if the Rams pay too much, if other teams pay less for or equal value mm-hmm. for Deshaun Watson. 
But let's jump into our top 10 games, Mark. We're going to rank them 10 to 1. We both have 10 games, so there'll probably be some slightly different orders. But what's your number 10 game of the year? Well, number 10 for me, and I included playoff games in this, so this is literally every game of the entire season minus the Super Bowl. And I have the first playoff game of the NFL playoffs this season, the Colts and the Bills. I thought it was a pretty good game. And although obviously it didn't go the way I would have wanted it to in the end, it still had all the makings of a good playoff football game. Uh, had some twists and turns, had some big moments in, throughout the game. The Colts came out with, with a roaring start and a great game plan. And then some gutsy decisions didn't go their way. And then Josh Allen made some huge plays to put the Bills back into the game before halftime. And then he took over in the second half. And then Philip Rivers tried to lead a comeback. And then it came down to, to the wire. It, it just, it was dramatic. It had some crazy moments, had some big plays, uh, particularly from Josh Allen. And I just thought it, it, had, it had all the makings and it was a, of a great game. And it set the standard for the playoffs pretty high, if we're going to be honest. It, it, it was a welcome to the 2020 slash 2021 NFL playoffs. Uh, these guys are here to play. And I guess for this season, uh, we could talk about seven seeds in the future, but this season it proved that there is a reason why we had mm -hmm. seven seeds uh, this season because the Colts definitely belonged in the playoffs. And I mean, they put up a better fight against Buffalo than the Ravens did the week after. I actually had this game a little bit higher, Mark. I had it as my, my number eight overall game. And it was just back and forth especially the end i mm -hmm. i i think uh, i guess one thing i really value is the ending if it's a good game or not and i know yeah. it can there's some games that i probably put here that probably weren't good games throughout the entire game but the ending does matter that third mm -hmm. act matters a ton for me and i thought crazy ending uh a missed replay called by the refs oh yeah which Weird. is always exciting anytime a ref gets in the way obviously you don't want to be in those situations but they make the games memorable and yeah. give you something to talk about. And I, I thought it was a sort of good ending for, for Philip Rivers. Obviously, I would mm -hmm. rather him end on a, a high note. But it, it kind of felt like a Philip Rivers game where it was coming down to the, to the crunch time yeah. and ended up just not succeeding. I mean, it was kind of like the epitome of, of Philip Rivers' career. Um, he went in the underdog, tried to do his best to, to make it happen and came up short. And I think that's a long, long way. Uh, that was his career for the most part, except for some of the early years when he had LaDainian Tomlinson and they had some great teams outside of that though, they were the underdogs and either they made it work or they didn't. And, uh, in most times they came up short, obviously Philip never made it to the Super Bowl, So. Yeah, and I'm sure we, we could talk a little more about it in your number eight slot. But what was your number 10? My number 10 was Rams versus Bills early in the year. Uh, the Bills blew a 25-point lead. Uh, they ended up winning on a three-yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen to Tyler Croft, about like 15 seconds left. It's a controversial pass inference call, uh, which uh, – on the Rams set up a, a game winning score. And I just thought uh, it was an enjoyable game. It, it was weird because I remember watching it and I thought it's not the closest thing in, in the world. It was a, it was pretty obviously 25 point lead. And then this is the game where I think I started to believe in Josh Allen. 
to be yeah. honest. I started to believe, hey, this dude's hectic and he drives me nuts sometimes, but he makes things work and it's worth the roller coaster ride. And it's a fun ride. And I thought it was one of those games where it was, hey, this is pure Josh Allen where it's craziness all over the field. Yeah, absolutely. I have this game on my list as well. I, I won't say where I had it, but uh, um, actually, you know what? Uh, no, I won't say it. And then and I'll kind of talk about my thoughts on the game because I do have it slightly higher. And uh, I agree, though. This was a great football game. All right. Well, what was your number nine, Mark? All right. My number nine was, again, another playoff game. And uh, obviously, I can't make one game count as two. But the context of the first game matters here. And that's the Ravens and the Titans. And so I don't have the first act of Ravens and Titans from this game. Uh, which was uh, an overtime game that the Titans ended up winning in Baltimore, making it two in a row for the Titans against Baltimore since they beat them in the playoffs last season. And so, so more context there, but I really like this game. It wasn't the greatest football game and it's probably one of the, and excitement wise, it was probably, it's probably one of the less exciting games on the list for me, but the context and the story and the fact that it was in the playoffs, I thought added to the flair and there were still good moments in the game. Don't get me wrong, but the, the Titans hosting the Ravens, there's a lot of animosity going into this game. It really a, a playoff rivalry. And so really enjoyed that aspect of the game. Lamar Jackson had a fantastic rushing touchdown. And then Marcus Peters at the end got the interception and they jumped on the logo and and they stomped their ground. And then Lamar Jackson and some of the Ravens just left without shaking the hands of the team. They just beat like, it was just nasty. And the, the game itself was pretty good. It was a decent football game. It was playoff football, but more of the story that went behind is what really put it on the list for me and what made me really enjoy it. it makes me want to see the two teams play each other again we do have a great rivalry and i think it you know it's kind of funny this ended up working out mark for my number nine i have their their regular season game hey, week 11 <laughs> where derrick henry beats the ravens again because obviously remember them having that uh beating them in the playoffs and i i thought it was just an exciting game i thought both games were obviously very good uh, the, the Titans in this game rallied from 11-point deficit in the third quarter, take the lead with A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown touchdowns can be very exciting. I mean, he's one of those guys where you yeah. remember touchdowns, he's just like dragging two, three players into the end zone, and it's very exciting. They start, they go to overtime. Tennessee gets the ball from the 27. Six plays later, Eric Henry, walk-off touchdown, 29 yards to secure the win. And... My favorite part is is Derrick Henry being able to be your walk-off guy, your go-to guy at mm-hmm. the end of football games. And it's so weird, so unique right now in the NFL that I, I think I got to put it on my list. And of course, this rivalry that's starting up. And I think it was confirmed in the playoff game. I hope we continue to see this rivalry, Mark. I mean, yeah, got to be the best one right now. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's, it's the nastiest one in the NFL right now uh, f- from what I could think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, divisional rivalries always have that undertone right now, but none of them are truly uh, maybe the Steelers and Browns could be considered kind of nasty right now. But I think the Ravens and the Titans, they have physical proof that they do not like each other as football teams right now. Mike Vrabel, it goes all the way up to the head coaches. Mike Vrabel is egging on John Harbaugh and the teams. Uh, I mean, both teams are ready to 
die for their coaches and their coaches are at odds. So they're going out there and they are, they want to stamp uh, their game on the opposed opponent. And they want to not only win, but they want to beat them. If you get what I'm saying here. And it's really fun to watch. And what a co- coincidence that we pick these two games. And uh, I mean, a great series. Phenomenal. And I'm really looking forward to it and I hope they continue to despise each other. And I I think they will because those two teams organizations have great cultures in the NFL right now. They have some of the better cultures in the NFL and I think they they'll continue to dislike each other, but number eight, Mark, what's your number eight game of the 2020 NFL season? So this is the other appearance uh, of my favorite team, the Colts, on the list. And this is one that actually goes in their favor. Unfortunately for you, it's the, the Packers-Colts game from the regular season. Um, I, I thought this game was great because it, re- it was just a crazy comeback first off. And then it, it just got wild uh, near the end of that game. And, and I just thought it was one of those mom- uh, games where adjustments were made by both coaches and we saw a Colts team bounce back in the second half and really stand up to Aaron Rodgers and slow him down. Like we hadn't seen uh, that season outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier that season. And it, it looked like all hope was really lost for Indianapolis after Rodgers scored another touchdown right before halftime. And then they were able to shut it down. Phillip rivers put the game Uh, on his arm a little bit Jonathan Taylor had his first real good game and then from there he just took off it was just an exciting matchup and then the Colts could have put the game away in the regular and in the regular season and in in regular time and then had like 15 straight penalties that pushed them out of range and then Aaron Rodgers got into field goal range with a bomb to uh, Valdez Scantling it was just an exciting matchup and then a rookie made the biggest play or two rookies made the biggest plays of the game. Uh, Julian Blackman forcing a fumble and then Rodrigo Blankenship hitting the game winning field goal. Just an overall exciting game and uh, maybe a little biased that I put it on here, but it was it was a pretty incredible comeback against one of the best teams in the NFL. That's OK, Mark, you put it on there because I well, I was lucky enough to see your list before I I made my list and I and I kept it in the same spot because I. I like the the Packers and Colts game. It obviously didn't didn't go in my favor, but it was it was a phenomenal game, back and forth. Your defense made adjustments. We, I think we saw both teams pretty much like when they're clicking. They both like had that point where they looked really good in the game, and then they kind mm-hmm. of had points where they're not looking is is like top as they normally do. But I I just thought overtime game. It was weird with, you know, Rodgers finally getting the ball first and, and or getting the ball and feeling confident. And then there's a there's a turnover by uh, Scantling, which is, you know, he put us in the position to be there and then ends up coming up short at the end of the day. But I, I think it's a really good matchup, good defense versus a very good offense as well. And I honestly I know the Colts and Packers won't probably much in the future unless yeah. we unless we see uh some super bowls out of them but i i like that defense versus that offense a lot mm-hmm. absolutely so your eight was buffalo and the rams right or sorry no no your eight where was um colts bills yes sorry wait i think i said it wrong i think i meant to say Bills Colts was seven earlier. I might have said eight though. Oh, you said okay, okay. 
which actually makes something very amusing then because uh I I'll make a comment on it then. Okay. Uh, but yeah, okay. So so your eight was Colts Packers. Yes. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Cool. I, I, so think I up. Yeah, I missed it. Okay, cool. I got you now. We're on the same page. But what it, what is your seven, Mark? Okay, so this is funny because your number 10 was my number seven and my number 10 was your number seven because okay. I have Bill's Rams at number seven. And so I'll give my comments on it now. When I watched that game, because that was one of the games I got to, to, to watch closely and, and take notes on, my thought was, these are two playoff teams. This was week three of the season. They were both 2-0 and watching them play. I thought, these are two playoff teams. And then lo and behold, they both made it to the divisional round, top eight teams in the NFL, which I think is interesting in hindsight. Um, another thing I thought that was really interesting about this game was that I watched, just from watching the highlights again, uh, I was watching and thinking, wow, this Rams defense is letting things through right now. Like they did not do this late season. And then suddenly they turned it on and started forcing turnover, started shutting down Josh Allen only for Josh Allen last second to get back into the game and make it happen. And, and you're right, Connor, earlier you said this was kind of the game where you, where you started to believe in Josh Allen. I felt the exact same way. I thought, you know, Sure, he could he could sling it around against the bad teams, but can he do it when it counts? And he did a really huge play, third and twenty-two. He was able to get the first down on the final drive to John or to, I think it was Cole Beasley, and uh, was able to just throw a dart to him, and then Beasley got the next like six or so yards to get the first down. It, it's just a, it was a really impressive game by Josh Allen, and. In the end, it was a game where I thought these are both good football teams, and they proved to be so at the end of the year. So my number seven, which I, I misspoke earlier, I believe, but it ended up being Bills-Colts playoff games, and I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a great kickoff to the playoffs. I was heavily invested in it. Like I said earlier, I thought it was a good send-off for Rivers because it was kind of one of those classic, really close, had the shot at the end and then the refs get involved which being a fan not the best thing but i think those endings can be can be sort of enjoyable or oh, i put it up a little higher since it was a playoff game and i thought we we saw a pretty good matchup there but let's take a break and we will be right back have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot fm to get started and we're back mark ranking our top 10 2020 nfl games season regular season and postseason included in this what's your number six game of the year 
So shockingly, this is the last playoff game I've got on my list. So kind of interesting. I, I enjoyed the playoffs, but we didn't have like, at least up to this point, we didn't have a true, we haven't had a true classic in, in mm-hmm. this playoffs. Like there are some good games. Like we were talking about Colts bills. Um, I mentioned the, the Titans and Ravens earlier, but there wasn't really a game that easily stood out, but this game, in my opinion, was the most exciting one, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. And the reason it was exciting was because the best player in the NFL went down, and for for about a half an hour, people thought the Chiefs were going to lose. People thought it was over for the Chiefs and that they were going to lose to the Cleveland Browns. And that was exciting. That was invigorating to watch. And then we got Chad Henney stepping up and making the play of his life on third down and then uh, on fourth down sealing the game with a little quick pass to Tyree kill. Just, it was crazy. And that's the main reason why I have it up here. The Browns played with a lot of heart. They did what they could. They made some big plays and they were able to crawl back into the game. They even lost a touchdown right before halftime on the touchback. Um, So they really gave it their all. And it was just awesome to see this Browns team play with so much heart because the Browns just haven't had that in my time watching NFL football. And so it was really neat to see them in there and showing up and not backing down against who I think is the best team in the NFL and almost coming away with the win when the opportunity presented itself. But then the chiefs were able to find a way with their backup quarterback. And that was, that was, it was just incredible. I have this as my number six as well, Mark. And I thought it was a very good game. Henny was was great in the game. It gave us another gif meme on the internet, mm-hmm. which of course people love. And the the call, I mean the Tony Romo call as well. I he was so giggly and excited. It was it one was of the ridiculous. funniest things. He was <laughs> losing his mind. I was like, okay, I get it's pretty big here that they're gonna go for it, but he was very exciting. I think oh anytime goodness. any anytime a QB goes in there and isn't supposed to play and comes out finding a way to to grit it out and win the game even though he didn't have I mean he had big plays but he's obviously the cushion was smaller he probably wouldn't have been able to win it for the Chiefs yeah you know and the big thing was is he didn't play particularly well until he made those final two plays that run and that pass because he threw a terrible interception to West Virginia alumni Carl Joseph yeah. uh, on the drive prior to that and then the Browns were unable to capitalize off of it and then just when it mattered though he did what he needed to do. And that was, it it was incredibly exciting. There's also controversy with the, you know, the fumbling out of the end zone being, being very big. And Mm -hmm. maybe that rule will be changed. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But I I think another thing is to think about this game, kind of a, what if is what if the chiefs just came out kind of nonchalantly in the beginning? What if they didn't Mm -hmm. care as much as they did? Because they had those games where they kind of just waited, said, we'll turn it on later. Like, We'll see if we can just beat them and not care. But if they came out there and didn't care for a lot of it, I know they weren't, you know, completely beating up on the Browns, but if they cared less in the beginning, then say, we'll turn it on later. We'll get going. Then the homes went out They're They're out of the playoffs. And then this, yeah. this postseason kind of becomes like, a, oh, well, Mahomes went out. So it, it yeah. kind of becomes not as valuable. So I, I'm glad they ended up winning for that reason mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Number five, Mark, we've made it to our, top five of the 2020 season 
What's so these were five? all these were all great games, fantastic games. So they were regular season games that surpassed the postseason in their excitement. And at number five, I've got the Patriots and the Seahawks. Week two, I I guess I think it's the earliest game on my list. Yeah, because week three was the uh, earliest uh, outside of that. But it, week two, it's a game where at the time we thought, wow, Cam Newton and the Patriots are a threat, and they are playing some good football. And it was such an exciting game. And it came down to the last play of the game at the goal line. It was very Legion of Boom-esque because they did that a couple of times when they were a legit defense. And they were able to get it done with Jamal Adams getting a part of that. But the biggest thing for me that I thought was interesting going back and looking at the highlights is that obviously games aren't scripted. They're, they're, They're not written up by a writer but it seemed like such huge foreshadowing throughout the game. The Patriots found success on that option run right by the goal line or on a third and one with Cam Newton. They ran it over and over and over again, and they found success with it almost every time. And then the final time they tried to use it, it got blown up by the Rams when it counted and they weren't able to get the win. I thought that was pretty crazy. Obviously, back then, the game seemed more significant than it was because the Patriots ended up kind of puttering out. But at the time, that was a huge game and with a huge ending that uh, won a colleague of ours thousands of dollars on a parlay because they had the Seahawks covering the spread. (laughs) So uh, huge for that, huge for him. But overall, just it was an exciting matchup and it was was just a well-fought game. I did really enjoy that game. It didn't make my list. I probably could have snuck it in there, but I decided not to put it in there, I guess, because it lost too much value for me yeah. with the these teams ended up not doing much. But I um, guess I shouldn't necessarily give that a, a big knock. Well, you can. I mean, it, it's it, it's it, it's entirely subjective what you value in the big games. Like sometimes the big games are the ones that actually have an impact on the season. I have one on here that, ended up not having any impact that's still on this list. So it's just a matter of what you value. Do you value the actual game quality? Do you value the implications, the teams playing? I think it's interesting to see the different perspectives on it. But I enjoyed it. I believe that big stop was huge. And it is, you pointed out, I mean, it was working all game and then it stopped, Mm. which is at that point, I was thinking maybe the Seahawks defense you know, it won't be the greatest Seahawks defense we've seen, but maybe they can get some big plays. And it turned out they necessarily never really, yeah. really found that. But my number five game is a Seahawks game, though. It's I called this the Russell Wilson 70-30 game, alluding to how you call him 70-30 at the end of the games. Mm-hmm. And it's the Seahawks versus the Vikings. Yeah. And Seahawks got to stop on fourth and one at their own six, which, you know, there's controversy around that, what the Vikings should have done. Then they drove down 94 yards in a minute 42 with Russell Wilson connecting with DK Metcalf on fourth and goal with 15 seconds left in the game. And it just seemed at this point in the year that the Seahawks were unstoppable. Obviously, they ended up not doing as yeah. well. <laughs> Vikings were weirdly ended up hitting stride and almost made the playoffs in the NFC. But I, I really enjoyed the game with Russ Wilson driving down and kind of just added to the little awe around him in that point. Mm-hmm. I think it was definitely sealing up his MVP at that point. Absolutely. Losing his grasp completely of it with 
we've seen quotes about DK saying we became a little bit too predictable and we'll have to find out if that's something that's true or not. Yeah. If teams did figure them out, if that was the issue, but I enjoyed the game overall. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about it was it was a game that the Vikings won. Uh, they won about 45 to 50 of the minutes of the game and then lost it in 10, 10 to five minutes, even where Davin cook went out and, that and the Seahawks just quickly scored like two times in succession. And then at the end of the game, when they couldn't get the first down, Russell Wilson then just moseyed his way down the field to win the game. And you're right at that time, that was the most compelling argument for MVP because it was a game where the Seahawks seemed like they were the losing team the entire time. And then their quarterback majestically coordinated a quick drill off eds down the field to win the game for his team it, it was quite an interesting game i didn't have it on my list um kind of similarly to why you didn't have the seahawks patriots game in the long run it, it didn't mean but so much so it, it's interesting how sometimes our opinions are <laughs> affected by things but it was a great game and it, it was a gut-wrenching one for the vikings because that really it was the the story of the Viking season where the team was close, but not close enough. And it resulted in them dropping so many games this season where they were almost a playoff team, but insert thing happened. And so that's why I'm confident they'll bounce back next season because they're, they're not far away from being a great team. All right. Number four, Mark, who you got. All right. At number four, I've got what I think was uh, what I thought the time was probably one of the craziest endings Uh, to the season when I watched it, it was the Houston Texans going to Tennessee to play the Tennessee Titans in week six. This was a game that at the time, the Texans just came off their first one of the season and it was with Romeo Cornell and, and JJ Watt said, we're having fun playing football game again, because Bill O'Brien is gone. Um, Obviously they didn't have too much more fun since both uh, Watson and Watt won out now, but uh, I digress. It was just an exciting game. It was one where we got to see, Deshaun Watson makes some crazy plays and keep his team in a game that they didn't belong in. And then we saw two huge things. First off, we saw Derrick Henry take over a game again, and it was insane. He had a 90-ish yard touchdown run where I sat back, threw my hat in the air, and went, this isn't fair. This guy is that big, and he's that fast. He outran safeties. Like he got Once he got to his full head of steam, they couldn't catch him. And I thought that was absolutely insane. And he did that several times, including in overtime, he got a a little screen pass or a little more like a a flare out and he caught it and he took it down the field and got them into nearly field goal range. And then they actually ended up running it in on wildcat on a wildcat play to win the game, walk off touchdown, like the Ravens game. And then the last thing was, and I think the craziest thing is Ryan Tannehill at the end of regulation led a quick game tying drive to keep their hopes alive and go into overtime. And I thought that was insane. It, a great catch by AJ Brown to tie up the game at the right with like 10 seconds left uh, or it was actually under 10 seconds. It was like four seconds. And they just, it, it was a fantastic game, really exciting. They went blow for blow in the fourth quarter. Deshaun Watson had some crazy plays. It, it, it was just a good one. It was, it was a very good game. I don't think I, I watched it, but I think if I did, I would have probably been in love with it. But my my number four, I think I put maybe a little bit too high when I'm thinking about it. But I, I wanted to give some more love to Patrick Mahomes 
because mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't really in the most exciting games this year. But I've got the Raiders Chiefs game, and it's the second one, not the first one. And it looks like at a point that the the Chiefs are going to get swept by the Raiders this year, and it was, it was going to feel kind of weird. It's like, hey, is this the one team that? is i don't know if i want to call them their kryptonite but they kind of felt like maybe they figured some things out for the chiefs they're able to beat them and they look like they're going to be able to beat them game again and the game was back and forth but you ended up having a chance at the end with mahomes and one of my favorite parts is how he makes it look so easy and it was a drive phenomenal made it look easy so many passes where he's rolling out of the pocket finds kelsey uh I'm losing who else he found in that drive, but he continuously found people where you're, you're like, man, he, it doesn't, you had no doubt in your mind that he was going to drive down the field. And that's why I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, it's very similar to how Russell Wilson did it to the Vikings is you just kind of thought it seemed inevitable almost. And I'll say this, I think Mahomes rolling out and finding Kelsey has turned into one of the most frustrating things in the NFL. It's very similar to Brady finding Julian Edelman on third down or Wes Welker. It's just like you do everything right. And then Mahomes slips out. Kelsey slips for slips out just for a moment and they find each other and they get a first down. It's just uh, excruciating to watch as you're as the opposing fan. And uh, (laughs) it's just what a combination those two are, but you're right not on my list but th- this was probably another one of those moments where Patrick Mahomes was thinking I mean I'm the most valuable player in the NFL because I could just do this with these I don't think he's going to win it this season obviously we both picked Aaron Rodgers but uh, it-, it was proof that he is the best player in the NFL just in the grand scheme of things top three Mark what's your number three all right number three is a game that was kind of slow throughout the majority of it and then it had the wildest four last minutes of any game this season. If you watch the game or are familiar with what happened, you know which one I'm talking about. I'm talking about week 16, the Oakland Raiders and the Miami Dolphins uh, playing each other. Uh, I believe it was the day after Christmas, Saturday. It's, it's my number three as well. So And uh, awesome. And it was just a game where ultimately it amounted to nothing because the Raiders and the Dolphins were vying for a playoff spot at this time. The Raiders would, would lose and miss the playoffs, and the Miami would lose the next week and miss the playoffs. So it ended up meaning nothing. But the fact of the matter was is that this game had something on the line when it happened, and it was insane. Nelson Aguilar had a massive touchdown where he, he, he mossed a receiver or corner practically and then turned around and took it the rest of the way. Then – Miami starts driving and Ryan Fitzpatrick finds Miles Gaston. And mind you, for the first three quarters, Tua Tagovailoa or Tagovailoa was the guy <laughs> playing for this team. And then he gets subbed out for what uh, Mike Flores called a relief pitcher and Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and he scores two times and to put them back in the game. And then Miles Gaskins get a, gets a crazy touchdown. Then we have a questionable pass interference call that results in the Raiders having a chance to put the game away. And John Gruden chooses to run out the clock as much as possible and kick a field goal. Now, some people will question this, but I think the more questionable thing is what happens next. And that's Ryan Fitzpatrick finding a soft spot in the zone coverage, getting face masked and and throwing a pass that cannot be described without watching it. And then seeing the pictures afterwards, just a beautiful, it just a, 
probably one of the pictures of the season uh, in, in Ryan Fitzpatrick's face mask throw that not only got them into Raiders territory, but then you tack on 15 yards, they're in field goal range. Just an absolutely bonkers game that uh, I was falling asleep. I was like in bed watching the game, falling asleep. And then I like sat up when Nelson Aguilar got the touchdown and then I just was hooked on my phone. And then I had to get out of bed and walk around. I was so amped after the game because I just thought, how did that happen? It was a wild game. Obviously, like you said, so a little bit slow, but it, it picked up. And those last couple minutes were insane. And I think one of my favorite things starting to happen in the NFL occasionally, it's generally not with the best teams, is when you end up benching your quarterback and then the other one comes in and somehow does amazing things. We saw with the Bears a little bit. You know, they they bitch, they uh, benched uh, Mitchell Trubisky for Nick Foles in a game. He ended up leading a comeback. And then we saw it a couple times, weirdly, with the Dolphins benching Tua for Fitzpatrick. And I'm all for it. I don't know if I would like it if I was the team, but as a as a spectator, I think it's really exciting to see a coach say, yeah. "Hey, we're just, we're giving up on you in a close game." <laughs> and I Fitzpatrick, that throw like you're talking about, Mark, was phenomenal. Could we? I think probably could we say best throw of the year? Do you think or no? Best throw of the year, yes. Best throw of the year, in I, my opinion. I would I, I I would say best play of the year, but there's still another play that's in one of these games we're going to talk about that I think is better. But it's the second best play of the season, in my opinion. I I think I agree with you. I think it's definitely the best throw. I can't think of any off the top of my head because mm-hmm. he can't see, presumably, <laughs> and he lobs it in there perfectly. The dude's on the sideline. Toe touches it in and gets out and Fitzpatrick somehow comes back. And, you know, obviously John Gruden is enabled to get that team over the hump at this point, but yeah, let's move to number two, Mark. What is your number two? So I just alluded to what I thought was the best play of the season. And it's in this game. I have the Buffalo bills in Arizona playing the Arizona Cardinals. And the interesting thing about this game is, uh, it was the game itself was incredibly interesting, but what that game meant was also odd in actually how it panned out. So I'll get to that in a second, but first off, just a competitive game throughout the bills uh, came in seven and two at the time against a six and three Cardinals team. So there's, this is a pretty big game at the, at the moment. And then it went back and forth a couple of times. The bills were able to get some great long field goals out of Tyler Bass. The Cardinals were driving, but couldn't get into the end zone. The bills defense was stepping up when it mattered. And then the second half kicked off. Uh, Josh Allen had some great plays to take the lead. And then interceptions started getting thrown. Kyler Murray threw, uh, threw an unfortunate pick. If we're going to be honest, it wasn't really, uh, or no, no, no. Josh Allen threw a pick that wasn't really his fault. It was like off a of ricochet. No, no, it was Kyler Murray. I'm, I'm mixing things up here. It was a ricochet versus receiver, and the Bills took advantage of it. And then Josh Allen threw two picks, and it kept the game interesting. And then the Cardinals were able to take the lead late. Josh Allen, great catch by Colt Beasley, gets, keeps the drive going. He continues the drive and then finds Stefan Diggs when they could have just been going for the tie. Instead, he finds Diggs, 34 seconds left, takes the lead, bam. This guy's an MVP candidate. This guy is competing. He he wants to keep up with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and the Steelers at that time in that uh, first seed race in the AFC. And then it happens. One pass, get into like round midfield. And 
if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick's throw is the best throw of the season, this is probably the second best throw of the season. Kyler Murray struggles in the pocket, rolls out, and just heaves it with his right arm as he's sliding out of bounds off his back foot. And then DeAndre Hopkins with the play of the season with three great defensive backs in Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, and, Tredav- and, um, and Tredavious White or Trey White. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Tredavious White. Uh, I got that right. And um, he comes down with the ball somehow at the end. The Hail Murray, Murray magic. It's, it's called the Hail Murray, but DeAndre Hopkins is the artist behind the play, uh, making some crazy catch. We, we've seen the pictures where you have the sea of hands for the Buffalo Bills, and somehow Hopkins gets up there, holds onto the ball, and doesn't let go. It, it just the most insane uh, final play that I've seen in a long time. And, I mean, what can you not like about that? It is my number two as well, Mark. And I think we're going to have the same number one as well. But it was it was a great game. The yeah. innings great. It's going back and forth. And I think you're right. It was kind of like the – obviously, there's discussion, hey, this was a great trade for the Bills, for Stephon Diggs. But then it was like, hey, hey this is one of the best trades they did for, for both teams. But we're like, yeah. hey, Stephon Diggs was worth what they gave up for him. He just won you the game. But he didn't. He didn't win in the game, and then the miracles happen. You, there was another trade this offseason that was even better. Even <laughs> at least for yeah, one <laughs> yeah, not as not as even of a trade, but it was an even better trade for for the Cardinals there, and got into the discussion of Hopkins being the number one wide receiver in the NFL right now. Yeah, and you know, and this leads into what I was alluding to, and that's what this game meant, though, because you would think, oh this is going to spark a run for the Cardinals and the bills are going to struggle, but it was the exact opposite. The bills didn't lose a game after that, or no, they lost one game. I believe somewhere in there because they only had two or no, 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 they didn't lose a game because that was their third loss right there. They didn't lose a game after that. They went on and said, we're not letting this happen again. And they blew through teams. Then the playoffs hit and they got the job done two weeks and then they lost to the Chiefs. But whatever, you lost to the Chiefs. And the Cardinals, on the other hand, flopped. They won two more games the entire season and missed the playoffs. What a weird turn of events. And and, and that's such a strange thing to think about. Very weird that it, it switched you definitely don't expect that to happen but the, the bills went on a run and they lost to the chiefs which isn't a bad thing to lose on but before we get to number one mark what are some honorable mentions we have here yeah i just wanted to mention some games that weren't very good but had some exciting qualities or amusing qualities um first off week 17 cowboys giants that ending was just really amusing to me i thought that was really funny the way the game was over and then um Gallman fumbles the ball. Just thought it was pretty amusing. Um, Lions Falcons, Todd Gurley <laughs> accidentally falls into the end zone. And then Matthew Stafford throws a game winning touchdown at the buzzer. Two bad teams. Didn't really mean too much. I really um, like that one a lot because the Todd Gurley thing is, is very funny. Cause you can, you can see that. Oh crap moment. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> they, they yeah. totally confused me here. Like, why did I go untouched? And then Stafford is rolling out of the pocket a lot, which is what I was watching earlier. And I was like, man, this is scary with him on the mm-hmm. Rams. Yeah. Um, two more. The Falcons Chargers Bowl, the blow the game bowl. I thought that was really funny. And then uh, the Cowboys somehow coming back and beating the Falcons yeah. was insane. Those were just some ones I wanted to bring up. They weren't great football games, but they were insane. And I wanted to at least acknowledge their existence. Falcons Cowboys. 
really exciting. And I think well, it's probably yeah. the most memorable thing for the Cowboys this year. That oh, win, yeah. Because there's not much other highlights for them this year. Number one, Mark. What is it? I believe we have the same one, but what'd you I, I would hope so. Uh, the Lamar Jackson poop game, as it's been dubbed, That's uh, the it. Ravens yep. and the Browns. Uh, what a matchup Monday night. Why does Monday night football get these classics? It, it's so insane to me. They get some of these crazy games. And here's the thing that, in my opinion, separated this game from everything else is the constant intrigue throughout the entirety of the 60 minutes because we can talk mm-hmm. about great endings and we could talk about how it was kind of storybook but there was so much to chew on the entire game the ravens and the and the browns uh, at the beginning it, it was just a competitive game but there was this factor of the fact that players were like slipping on the grass and it was just this really weird thing that lamar jackson was getting sacked because he was stumbling in the pocket and and slipping around and then the Browns are making some plays to keep themselves in the game. Defense was making some hard hits, making some good stops. And then uh, you go through the first half. Then the second half comes around. Lamar Jackson switches his cleats, and now he's doing great. They're running the ball really well. Players aren't slipping as much. Uh, Baker Mayfield throws a bad interception when they've fallen behind, and the, the Ravens pounce on it. Then Lamar Jackson has to go to the locker room suddenly for who knows what reason. (laughs) And the Browns start coming back. Baker Mayfield makes some huge plays. The running backs make some huge plays. They come back, take the lead. Um, Trace McSorley tries to keep the team alive, but drops are keeping him from making plays until his final drive. He makes something happen on third down after rolling out of the pocket. Then it's fourth down. And it's written like a movie. Lamar Jackson runs out of the locker room. And it's like, I got it. I got it. Comes into the game. Not only does he roll out to keep and get a fourth down, first down conversion, he throws a touchdown to the guy who was dropping passes all day, Hollywood Brown. And then the Browns bounce back. And then the Lamar Jackson bounces back. Justin Tucker hits a game-winning field goal. It's just, it was just such a exciting game front to back. It never let up. It was so intriguing throughout. And it was, it was the game of the year, the moment it ended. Easily. It was, it was fun throughout and the ending was great. I mean, Jackson looked like he was the MVP from 2019 in this game a little bit. He showed yeah. that Baker Mayfield went toe to toe with Lamar Jackson yeah. in this game. And a fun thing is both teams combined for 27 points in the final six thirty-three of the mm-hmm. game. I mean, back and forth and back and forth. And in the final, the Browns final play resulted in a safety, which was it's fun. Yeah. It's a classic <laughs> bad bet for betters. But oh my gosh. enjoyable game. Definitely the best game of the year. Maybe we'll get a really fun Super Bowl. Maybe because we haven't really gotten a classic in this playoffs. And, um, you know, I thought it, the big thing also from this game, it was the takeaway that even though they lost, people accepted the Browns as a good football team because of this game, which was very interesting. And it, it kind of also solidified the fact that the Ravens, even though they were in a bit of a slump, were going to make the playoffs despite that. And so both teams met on. And won their wild card games. They were both wild card teams, and they both won their games to make it into the divisional round. So it really just—it was just awesome. I think it's a taste of the future. Hopefully, both these mm-hmm. teams can stay relevant. I think they will probably be the best teams in the division next year. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it. We ranked our top ten NFL games of the season. We'll have to see if that Super Bowl is able to squeak in. We'll have to wait and see, but. Got one week away from the big game, Mark. 
Mm -hmm. I'm excited. We'll be live two hours ahead. So tune in there. Thank you for listening. As always, this is First and Moose with Connor Taylor and Mark Shunster. Peace.